the heading of my Bible says judging others. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will, be, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs when it is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you, your father, in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Either through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and may enter it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Thank you, Ron. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's really good to see you all here. Um, and, yeah, thanks for reading all those verses, Ron. We are only going to look at those first six verses, but I wanted Ron to read right through to the, en- to the end of verse 14 there because we're reminded by Jesus here that as Christians we're choosing the narrow road. And in dealing with these difficult issues, these tough topics, that's the the path that we're treading. They're tough because we're on that narrow journey together. So let us pray now as we look at this part of of Jesus' teaching and of God's word that that God would be at work in our hearts to help us understand it. Father, we do thank and praise you that we can meet this morning, uh, that we can meet and be encouraged. Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks so clearly to us. And Lord, we pray that we might in it find Uh, comfort, hope, Lord, that we might hear um, hear its rebuke to us, Lord, that we might be convicted by it and that we would go on living for you, walking that narrow road in humility and in your grace and prayed for Jesus' sake. Amen. Um, Tara is my wife. She's back in the room now. Yeah, And as a year eight student, um, at a Christian school, she was one day in class talking to a friend about a little burn that she'd got on her tummy. See, what she'd done is she'd burned herself uh, with boiling water that she splashed as she emptied a hot kettle into a pot on the stove. It's an easy enough thing to do. You've probably 
splashed a bit of hot water on yourself before. But on hearing this, her teacher at this Christian school remarked, Oh, were you wearing a midriff, were you? As if to say, you foolish little girl, that's what you get for wearing those revealing clothes that you kids these days get dressed up in. Now, not only did this woman have her facts completely wrong about the way that Tara burnt herself or or even what type of child Tara was, this woman was a Christian. It's a Christian school. You couldn't be a teacher at this school unless you claimed to be Christian. That's so far from what Jesus teaches about how to treat children, isn't it? Jesus said, let the little children come to me. He said of children, the kingdom of God belongs to these. But it's not uncommon, is it? It's not uncommon for Christians to just go about passing judgment about the behaviour of others. Or, like this woman, the suspected behaviour of others. In fact, Christians and non-Christians alike do this. You hear comments like, look at what she's wearing. Or you know how that bloke drinks. Or just steer clear of that neighbourhood altogether. Family to family, we comment on how others live. In the workplace, we, we talk about what other people get up to, how they go about their work, what they get up to at the staff Christmas party. Passing judgment and stereotyping all kinds of people for all kinds of reasons. Now, I've been looking into a study uh, of a group of Aussies who describe themselves as not Christian but open to change. And they were surveyed in this study about the belief blockers that they have, things about the church and about Christians that work as a barrier to them, be- to them believing. What's the third highest category behind church abuse and hip- hypocrisy? Well, you can see it there. It's judging others. One in three responders saying that the way that they perceive Christians to be judging others is this barrier to them, to them believing. In fact, you can't even skim over the second one there of hypocrisy with about one in two responders pointing out Christians who just don't live up to their own standards. See, in looking through these hot topics or tough topics, we're going to spend some time thinking about today and understanding how can we live alongside an unbelieving world And on one hand, hold our convictions as Christians without falling into the trap of seeing ourselves as some kind of moral police, seeing ourselves as somehow commissioned by God to keep his world clean. Because we're not. Jesus says it right here, that we're not that. See, this was the problem in Jesus' day with the group that we know were called the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders who Jesus came into conflict with the most. Okay, so these Pharisees, I think they had very little understanding of what God was really like. See, what they had was parts of the Old Testament in the forefront of their mind, but no understanding that the parts of the Old Testament that they were reading was actually designed to form people into a nation who would actually work as a witness to the other nations around them. They held on to the law so tightly that they completely missed the point. A little bit later in Matthew, um, Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says of them that they give a tenth of their spices, like mint, dill and cumin, dividing them up, measuring them out to give away, but they do not practice more important things of the law. 
like fairness, mercy and faithfulness. See, in this section of Matthew's gospel that we've dived into today, Jesus is with his disciples, training them in the law and how to understand it properly. And often what he has to do is talk about the truth of the law in reference to the Pharisees. And really, what he keeps saying is just don't be like them. Today's passage is at the back end of that section of Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. And what we know of this is that Jesus had called the bunch of guys to come follow him and then taken them up a mountain, sat down and taught them about following him. But to say that he just taught them isn't quite right because what he says to them in these passages is, is massively profound. And if you've been walking Christian life for long enough, I'm sure you've studied this and I'm sure you've been confronted by some of the things that he says here. See, he goes to the Old Testament law that the Pharisees would have spoken about, an eye for an eye. But he teaches them in the context of that that Christians are to turn the other cheek. He talks to them about the um, seventh commandment, not to commit adultery. But he teaches them that whenever they lust after something, that they should figuratively cut off their hands. So this is a pretty um, radical part of scripture. And so much of what he says treats the Pharisees as a reference point. And where does it come to with judging others? Well, the Pharisees loved to point out the failings of other people. They loved to make much of themselves in their own righteousness. And often that was in putting down other people. But into all of this, Jesus teaches us that the path of following him, the path of walking as a Christian, is a path that's marked by humility. See, as Christians, we've got much that we can be prideful about. We're confident that we know God. We have an understanding of the truth. We're able to make correct choices in life through the spirit that works in us. And we belong to a community that loves and accepts us. These are all good things, but they're things that we can quickly misunderstand. And as we go on living this Christian life in an unbelieving society, these good things that come only to us by the grace of Jesus can quickly become reasons for us to be passing unfair judgment on non-believers. And they're unfair if we judge people because we follow a Lord who said that he came for the healthy. It's the healthy, not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Sorry, I said that wrong. He came for the sick, not the healthy. It's unfair because the unbelievers who are our workmates and our neighbours and our friends don't know God. They don't know him. They don't know his word and they don't have his spirit to live by his word. And this is only really overcome when we have the right perspective on who we are. I don't know about you, but the more that I've understood what it is for me to be a Christian, the more that I can see my only claim to be a Christian is when I base that claim on what Jesus has done for me. My only claim to be a Christian is based on faith that Jesus has washed me clean of the sin that's in my life. The sin that's in my life, the same sin that's in the lives of non-believers. What's my claim to be a Christian? 
Jesus has washed me clean. Without Jesus, I have no hope. Without Jesus, I'm under judgment. Nothing that I have done contributes to me being Christian. That's the path of humility. That's the humbling message of the gospel. So in light of all that, we're going to get to this passage in Matthew 7 of thinking about judging others. And Jesus says it pretty plainly in that first few words, do not judge. Let's think about what that means. At the heart of being judgmental is comparing yourself with the aim of propping yourself up. It's the opposite of that humble character that it takes to accept Jesus as a saviour. And this is the kind of judgment that Jesus is talking about here. Now, Jesus isn't saying that as Christians we're to be undiscerning. See, God's spirit and his word in our lives and our hearts mean that we can and know and will say, be able to say what evil looks like, what sinfulness is. That's why we've been talking about these tough issues. That's why we've been coming to the Bible on these tough issues, so that we have clear convictions about what is wrong and what is right. So Jesus' call not to judge doesn't mean that we have nothing to say about what goes on around us. We can call out sin for what it is. In fact, it's part of proclaiming the gospel. How are we going to say to people that they need to turn to Jesus when they don't understand what they're turning from? And as we explore tough topics, we don't read Jesus say here, do not judge and then decide to just have a permissive attitude toward everything. See, rather, Jesus is talking about that kind of judgmental spirit that was alive in Tara's school teacher, that's alive in some of us, that's alive in me, I know, at times. See, if we misunderstand our Christian faith, we're going to seek to fool ourselves and fool others that, that our righteousness is because of our godly character. And that's what this judgment is about. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And Jesus leaves a pretty big warning. Look at what he says. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus warns that if we want to play judge, well then he can judge us by those standards as well. And that's where Jesus brings in this comical illustration of a person with a massive log lodged into their eye socket trying desperately to point out a scrap of sawdust in their brother's eye. See, if you think about that illustration, it's, it's, it's meant to be comical. It's meant to be ridiculous. But if you think about it, you'd barely be able to reach out and touch your brother's or sister's eye without that massive hunk of wood getting in the way. And I think Jesus is being really deliberate here in saying that the log is in the person's eye. Because if you think about it, if you had something lodged that close to your face, how would you see anything going on around you? You'd be blind. This picture is of someone so blind to their own situation that they don't have any true perspective on the person whom they're criticising. That's why it's so foolish of us when we behave like this. See, the basis for our faith, like I've said, is Jesus alone. No point of comparison that you or I can make with anyone else is going to make us any more righteous. 
So Jesus says, do not judge. Don't be judgmental. But like I said, we are to be discerning. And as Christians, we belong to the family of God. We belong to the church. We belong to one another. God gives us one another. See, the whole log in the eye illustration ends with the commandment to take the log out of our eye so that we can see clearly to remove the speck from our brother. That is, our fellow believer. See, sin is such a deceptive thing that we're often blind to it. Sin is like that. We often can't see our own sinfulness. In my Christian life, it's sometimes been reading the Bible or hearing the Bible preached where I've really been convicted of my sin and been able to repent. That was the case when I first became Christian. Sometimes it's while I've been actively in sin that just God's spirit in me has convicted me and I've eventually repented. But I can also think of plenty of times where it's through certain relationships where other believers have graciously pointed out my sin to me. And that's okay. I can think of times where it's been my parents or it's been Tara or other Christian friends and they've spoken to me about how I'm treating people, about my arrogance, about my pride, or whatever it's been. But that's not judgmentalism, is it? That's lovingly sharing things with our brothers and sisters. And we've got to be pretty careful to do it. It's trickier than it sounds. See, God does give us each other to grow us, and that will mean at certain times, in gracious ways, pointing out our sin to each other. But then on the other hand... It needs to come in a non-judgmental way. And so I've got another verse up here that I'm going to share with us. Later in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is really clear about what this looks like. From Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 17. Let me just read it to you. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you will have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector, as a non-believer. So when it comes to our brothers and sisters, we're to help each other grow. That's part of being Christian. But some, sometimes that'll mean talking about the sin that we see in each other, but only in non-judgmental ways. So, this is where we really need to focus today. What about non-believers? Do we speak about their sin to them? Do we address their shortcomings in a non-judgmental way too? Well, it's helpful that this comes up in the Sermon on the Mount because the Sermon on the Mount begins with Jesus talking about how he wants his disciples to live. And he says these two remarkable things, that they're to be salt and light, salt and light among the world. See, Jesus, in teaching his followers uh, to be humble followers, Jesus has got the non-believing world in mind. And in those salt and light passages, what he says is, is he encourages them by their deeds to show God's truth to the world around them. Of course, he means this in a, in a 
not in a judgy or self-righteous way, but he uses this illustration of, of it being a salty way. See, what does salt do? Well, I put a bit of salt on my steak last night and it brings out the flavour. It draws out the flavour that's in there. Salt also makes you thirsty. That's why they put beer nuts on the bar at the RSL club so that you keep going back for more. But that's the thing that it does. This is the picture of the Christian in the non-Christian world, in the non-believing world. We're living it out, out there in a way that will make people thirst for that truth. We put it out there in a way that brings out the best in the world around us. Humble Christian living does that to the cultures and communities that it touches. It makes people thirst for that truth and meaning and life and all the like. And then, of course, that image of light in the world. Letting God's truth in our lives be like a light that shines as a beacon, a beacon of love and hope, the hope that only is truly found in Jesus. See, when it comes to us and non-believers, not only are we to be non-judgmental, we're not even to pass judgment the way we do correctly with our Christian brothers and sisters. That's what that obscure verse in verse uh, 6 of chapter 7 is about. Jesus says there, don't give to dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. See, as a believer, as believers, we have the truth of God's word. We have it in our lives, in our hearts, in our possessions. If we go around and start to try to apply that word into unbelieving hearts, what are we going to achieve? Jesus says they won't receive it. That's throwing a pearl to a pig. And these images of dogs and pigs, well, it's not a teacup pig and your little puppy dog at home. He's talking about wild, savage pigs and dogs. He says that they're going to turn on us. And that's what you see, isn't it? When the placards are pulled out and the Christians think that they're going to go around and be those moral police, it's not what we're called to do. And Jesus says, there, right there, do not do it. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. No, what's he got in mind? We're going to be the salty people. We're going to be the beacons of light. As it says down in verse 12 that Ron read for us, do to others as you would have them do to us. That's the way that we reach non-believers. We love them into the kingdom. Their lives are going to be riddled with sin. But we know that our lives are riddled with sin. The difference is that we've called on Jesus and we want to see them call on Jesus too. And so what are we called to actually do? We're called to love them. So the most important thing that I haven't actually said yet is that there is a judge... That's God. God is the judge. God is the only one in any position to pass any judgment. He's the only one who has no plank in his eye. He's the only one that's in any position to pass judgment. And yet the glorious truth of the gospel is that God's judgment has been passed and it was passed not onto us but onto Jesus. At the cross, Jesus receives God's judgment. The judgment that I'm guilty of, the judgment that finds me guilty, the judgment that finds you guilty is passed on to Jesus at the cross. The right perspective for a Christian is to understand that we're living in the mercy of God. We've escaped that real judgment. Jesus has worn our judgment. 
So if we're focused on the faults of other people, believers or non-believers, we're just not looking in the right direction. If you're someone that knows, not sure where you are with Jesus, and you've been turned off Christianity at times or at the moment by the judgmentalism that you've experienced in Christians, I'm sorry for that. And I want you to hear the truth that Christians and non-Christians alike are all riddled with sin. We've all got things in our lives that we're shameful of. But Jesus is a Lord that offers forgiveness to us. So I put that challenge on you to, to meet the real Jesus and know his forgiveness. See, for all of us, our focus should always be on Jesus who brings us salvation, who saves us. To be focused on the faults of others is a sign that we're not really believing the gospel or perhaps that we're ignoring it or perhaps that we just don't understand it at all. Our worldview at that point is just out of whack. We're not seeing things from God's perspective. See, if we're going to focus on the sins of non-believers, what message are we going to end up taking to them? We can't expect that we teach them how to live the Christian life when they haven't even become a Christian yet. Over the week, I've been reflecting uh, on, a, on a conversation that I had with a Christian friend out at Armidale a few years ago. And I wasn't sure where to use this story in, the, in the, my talk today, and I wasn't even sure about what I'd done. But this was a conversation that ended with this friend of mine and Tara's saying to me that she'd never felt so judged after what I said to her. See, what she was discussing with us was what Tara and I thought about her having uh, two guys who were in a relationship move into a spare room that she had in her house. It's a pretty complex kind of scenario. And she'd come to us. Uh, we were a little bit older than her and we were, we were in church with her. And I think what I said to her in the end was that if she thinks it's okay to have them move in, then what she's saying, the message that she's sending, is as a Christian, she thinks that's okay. And to be honest, I probably believed at the time that she thought an active gay lifestyle was okay. But in thinking about this week, I missed so much behind what she was doing. See, this young lady used to hold Bible studies in her house. Her other housemates were Christians. She'd already managed to get these guys along to some outreach events that her church had run. She was already engaged in a conversation with them about Jesus. And now I realise now, who am I or who is she to pass judgment on them? See, aren't they at this point just like everyone else in the world who needs Jesus? Did I think that they needed Jesus more because they were gay? Did that, I believe that they needed to sort out their sexuality in order to sort out their salvation? See, as I've thought about this, I'm feeling sorry and ashamed that it's taken me all these years to see this this way. I couldn't see her love for them and her desire to share Jesus with them. I've already decided that over the next couple of days I need to contact her and apologise for that. See, we're called to be salt and light. 
but to do it in a discerning way. We're still to be discerning about the world that we live in. We've got each other to encourage each other toward coming to Jesus in repentance. But that call from Jesus to be humble believers, to be salt and light to the world around us, is a pretty confronting one. And I want you to think about yourself. See, where do you need to repent? Where do you need to stop looking down your nose at someone? I'm going to give us a bit of silence right now to pray. And in that prayer, I want to encourage you to ask for that forgiveness. To ask for God's help. And to regain the right perspective on things. See, we're going to listen to a song after that that is a very timely song for what we're chatting about today. And that'll wrap up our service this morning. But it's called Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And in this prayer time now and in meditating through that song, I really want to encourage us all to look back on ourselves in light of what Jesus teaches here, that we might always come to him in repentance and humility, that we might, as a church, be lights to the world around us. So let's pray now. Lord God, we know that we've been judgmental at different times and in different ways. And Lord, that that's brought darkness instead of light to your world. And Lord, we know that we've misplaced our trust at times, forgetting that it's faith in you that gives us righteousness and that it doesn't come It never comes from pointing out the faults of others. Lord, we ask for your help to guard our hearts against this. Lord, we pray that in the conversations that we have with each other that we would, by your spirit, steer clear of making judgmental comments. Lord, we pray that in seeking to reach out to your world, Lord, that we might come as salt and light. Lord, we pray that you might give us discernment and conviction about the right things at the right time. But Lord, we ask for all of this, that you might constantly in us renew that spirit of humility that realises our dependence on you and that sees things from your perspective. Lord, that your kingdom might come in this world and that a multitude might gather in your name with you as their king and saviour we pray it for jesus sake amen
Jesus, friend of sinners, the truth's become so hard to see. The world is on their way to you, but they're tripping over me. Always looking around, but never looking up. I'm so double-minded. A plank-eyed saint with dirty hands and a heart divided. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers. Let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach with open hearts and open doors. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, forever you are good 